0: Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 32. I'll be reading from the ESV. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. This is the word of the Lord. let's pray together. Jesus, as you taught us to pray, so we pray today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name
1: Well, it's awesome to be with you, Hope. How are you? Then I was watching that video, and I was thinking, wow, this woman is so intense. Her energy is so high. She talks so fast. And then, and then I just got a chance to sit through here with you guys. I have rarely met a group of people who matched my level of intensity. But the worship service this morning, my goodness, you guys are up and at them. In fact, I, uh, I'm going to be hitting the uh, scriptures in a minute. We're going to get into that. I'll just give you a few comments, get you oriented to me, get you used to my pace of talking. But I, just, uh, I thought the, the title today of my sermon to you, is so fitting, it is wake up, wake up, and we'll get to that for a minute, but you don't need that. You are all awake. I don't know if you've already been in the coffee shop or what, but I was driving over here, and I'm going to tell you, I am of little faith, because I brought my nephew, Sam, who celebrates his ninth birthday in two days, And, 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 and he was... He was ready to go, and, and he wanted to come. He, I, I tried to talk him to come in at 10.30, then I felt guilty. I was like, he wants to come for both services. I went and picked him up to bring him here. And I said, I hope there's 50 people in church. And he was like, we'll be like Abraham. We'll go like 50, 40, 30, 10, if you know the story. So we're so happy that there's some of you here. In fact, I thought that the pastor might be out of town, and I got to meet Pastor Dave today, so it's all good. But seriously, the Hope collective is such a great concept. You know, the church, obviously, but the name, and it matches what we do. I, I don't know if many of you know, but my, my right hand human on this world, Irina comes to this church, she's part of this church body, and she's talked you guys up for so long, like I just was like, man, they better match the description, and you do, you do, and this is just the eight o'clock, nine o'clock service, like imagine what it's gonna be like at 11, right? And everyone's like, wait, 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 what, what? Like this is where everyone who's serious about the faith comes, right? I came in at eight o'clock, and some of you are already here for communion. Wow, by the way, those of you who didn't come, what's your excuse? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, just easy, just teasing. We come just the way we are, however you come. But uh, but the Hope Collective, that word hope, in fact, everywhere I look, I see shirts with people wearing the Hope shirt. I love this. Our vision for our ministry, even though my ministry, was, we call it living with power ministries, our vision is bringing hope to the world. Our podcast is called the Hope Podcast. We had for a while, we had the concept of the ranch that sort of took a little bump, but we called it the Hope Ranch. So hope is a thread that is so powerful in what I do and what I believe. You what is hope? Well, hope is believing the goodness of God. Hope at the end of the day is Jesus, but it is believing the goodness of God. The minute you lose that ability to believe that God is good, this morning, some of you here are living through life and you're not so sure about that. You may believe it for me. You may believe it for others, but in your life, you might be questioning it. Maybe you're going through some things that make you wonder, is God really as good as they say he is? Maybe you started off in the faith and you used to believe that. And maybe now you're here and you're questioning it. Listen, I promise you, he is. He is. I've lived as a Christian now for a number of years. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon. And by the way, outstanding job saying my last name. I think you said it better than I do, so I am very <laughs> impressed with that. But seriously, it is really an honor to be here. There's no better way. In fact, Sam reminded me coming here that I spoke at a women's conference on my birthday in April, and now he said, and now here we are on New Year's and you get to teach God's word on this day. And I just thought, what an honor. There's no better place that I would rather be. And I think there's something, I don't, this country was torn. I think half the churches in the US didn't want, you know, debated whether you should be in church on Christmas day. Did you guys go through that battle with your families? Like, it was like World War III, seriously. like. Like we dropped a bomb on Christmas Eve in our home, in our family, because we said we're going to church on Sunday morning when we'd been there on Christmas Eve. And, and there was like this World War III, like half the family was like, what do you mean you're going? We always open gifts in the morning. And the other half is like, we're going to church. And there was this big debate about it. And, and it was crazy. We went to church. And I'm like, it's Christmas. How do you debate about going to church on the morning of Jesus being born? It makes no sense. So we were in church, but, but, but now this is non-controversial, right? This is like Sunday, day one, 1-1-23. Like, is there even a better beginning of the year than starting on Sunday? I love it. I just, I like it. It's crisp and clean and, and if you're a neat freak like I am, it just like is a chance to turn the page and we're starting this year and I hope that you're ready for this year. I was cleaning my Bible. In fact, yesterday I was cleaning some things and I was going through some little things. You know how your Bible, by the end of the year, you're like, you start the year and it's empty and then by the end you've got all these little papers and you're like, what, are, what is this stuff? And I was going through it and one of them I thought was very fitting for the new year and it was like a little thing I had clipped and it's, uh, I think it's very fitting as we approached this new year many of you are already thinking what's your word for the year what's your theme for the year what's your verse for the year and and so this is uh this is good Alice in Wonderland I I don't know how familiar you are with her but I hope some Uh, she has a conversation with the Cheshire cat and uh, that's a hard word to pronounce, especially for a Lebanese. By the way, your pastor's going to Lebanon, I heard this week. His life's gonna be changed. He's gonna come back saved. No, just teasing, <laughs> just teasing. But, but, but he's going to my home country. I grew up there until I was 15. Love it, he's gonna eat well. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, so anyway, Alice uh, finds the Cheshire cat, and she says, hey, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? The cat answers, well, depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Alice says, I don't much care where. So the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. I think that is so insightful, and I thought it was worth sharing with you. Because a lot of us, whether we come up with a word or not, don't quite know what we're aiming for. Or maybe we're aiming at the wrong things. We've got all over culture, people, one of the biggest things that we're aiming for is what? To be a couple of pounds thinner by the end of next year. And we're lucky if we make it through the week before breaking that vow, going to the gym, eating healthier, doing all those things that we think we're supposed to do. And some of us, we do our Bible reading plans and God blesses all those things are good things, but really what are we aiming for? Are they just a few habits or are we aiming for the one and only person that matters who is Jesus? It is Jesus. That's where we aim for. Now, we read the Bible daily because it gets us to Jesus. Yeah. We come to church because we remember Jesus. How many of us didn't sit here and sing those songs, the worship songs, and lift our hands in worship and get into this feeling where you're like, man, this isn't just like, this is different. Why? Because we're thinking about Jesus. We're verbalizing our faith in him. Yeah. Everything about us in those moments of worship are centered outside of us. Whereas we live in a culture that centers on me, myself, and I. How do we look good? How do we make more money? How do we live more comfortably? And those are not things that will make us happy. That's what our worship pastor was talking about when he says, like, keep us from idols. Many of our New Year's resolutions are aimed at what? At making us more comfortable. The idol of self. The idol of how can my life become better? And then, by, by all means, we give God the glory. And yet what if God might be calling us to something different this year? what if he might just be calling us to himself? And what if that looks different than what we have intended? And so my challenge to you as we get into it, by the way, this passage in Matthew 14, whether you read it in the ESV or the NLT or the message or any, the variety of options that you want will, gives you, you don't even need to, like, you don't even need a sermon. Like, the, the passage itself is a sermon. There are some parts of scripture, like, I could read Leviticus 15, 1 through 10, and then you need a little interpretation. But this passage, it's like, you don't even need interpretation. Many of you, you're reading it going, man, I connect with this because it is, it is about us, right. and it is about life, and it is about what we all struggle with on a day-by-day basis. And whether you've been a Christian forever, or maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus yet, you understand this feeling of being in a boat in the middle of a storm tossed by the waves, wondering where God is, questioning, how did we get here? We started off one way, we thought we were going to the other side. and. And Jesus was with us just before and, and here we are in fact if you have your Bibles and you're in Matthew chapter 14 open up to that passage that we just read in verse 22 and just to give you some context of where we are if you're new to the Bible this is uh, the New Testament uh, the Gospels and in the Gospels uh, Jesus's life basically is in the Gospels right the Old Testament is all the story of how we get to Jesus do you get the Gospels where Jesus is here on this earth he dies he rises again and then acts is like moving out of the time when Jesus was alive on earth he's still alive he's just now with us through his spirit he's living in us if we've received Him. but now you move into this the uh, later acts and the epistles and the letters which all talk about what's going to happen later how to live our lives now until Jesus comes back but in the gospels is a story of this man Jesus who we worship as God yeah, and and by the way that's a whole nother sermon we can we can we can get to but but just briefly just giving you a story of scripture and so, in the Gospels, everything that happens is meant to help us turn our eyes to this man who comes and claims to be God, and the the the, the proposition to every one of us, every human, whether you're whether, whether you're whatever your age of understanding is. I know Sam was three or four when he understood those things, or whether you're a hundred, maybe there's someone here who's over a hundred. However, your age is, the proposition is: What will you do with Jesus? And so he spends three years, by the way. You want to know about a life well lived. We don't know much about his life before age 30, but for three years, he lives in such a way, this is his public ministry. He had a ministry to his family before that. Just because you're in public ministry doesn't mean that's the only work that counts. In fact, his work counted just as much before we met him as a person who was out in public ministry. He was serving his family, he was carpentering, whatever that, you know, how you, you say, woodworking. Whatever he did in those years, it will be exciting to find out in heaven what Jesus did during those times. Right. But, but, but for all intents and purposes, those three years were meant to show the world that he is God and so when when we pick up the reading in verse 22 it says immediately so immediately where what like what's been happening well if you have a Bible like I do that gives you headings before each section the one right before it is a very famous passage of Scripture and if you watch the chosen you probably watched that I haven't gotten that far into that show but the feeding, the feeding of the 5,000 arguably one of the most popular stories in Scripture And many people have preached many sermons on this topic. And so imagine 12 men and the woman, maybe who were around, whoever was following Jesus, but we're gonna focus on the 12 disciples who had just spent the day hungry, waiting for dinner. When we woke up and I couldn't wait to get my coffee, and and all of it leads up to eventually the climax in the feeding of the 5,000, this little kid who offers up his meal of a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. And Jesus takes those and breaks them up so that 5,000 people, but again, the women and children, estimated to be ten to 15,000 people were fed from one little boy's meal. So you, you, you live through this. So imagine yourself living through this. Immediately after this, okay, this is so critical because they have just witnessed a massive miracle. And immediately after this, Jesus, Sends them in a boat. He says, hey, guys, you guys go to the other side. I'll meet you there. So whose plan is it to get into the boat? You can, you can answer back in this section. So, all right, if you're not convinced, let's look here. Immediately, verse 22, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So let me ask you again, whose idea was it to get into the boat? All right, did Jesus know what was about to happen? Yes, of course he did. And so now he tells them to get into the boat. So they're like, this is amazing. Probably the first few minutes getting into the boat before they, some of them snuggled into sleep. Maybe the others were running the boat, whatever people do on boats. I get seasick. You ever wonder if any of the disciples get seasick? They didn't have any medicines for that. So they get into this boat and they were probably doing what you and I would be doing, which is replaying. You've, you ever watched the Green Bay Packers beat the Bears? All right, I should have stepped into that one. I was hoping you were still asleep, but, but, but you're awake. We already established that. But if you've ever watched that where you, something great happens, someone wins the ball game, maybe when the Cubs won the World Series, you probably went home and couldn't stop talking about it and replaying the details. Think about that. And so here are these people who are in this boat, and I can imagine that they went to sleep dreaming of the meal they had just eaten. But what happens? It says that immediately he gets them there, and then it says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, something he did very regularly, by the way. So not that unusual, but it says, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. It says, comma, sorry, not period. So, but the boat, but let me read it again with the correct English enunciation. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So, minor detail Jesus sends them in the boat to go to the other side, and a huge storm is coming up, like last week. How many of you expected the winter storm? I did not. I mean, I expect storms like that in Chicago and in Wisconsin, where my family moved to in January and February. And I try to avoid them at all costs. But none of us anticipated the amount of cold and the amount of snow that we had just last week. Came out of nowhere, except our difference is that we have homes, and we have cars, and we have protection. And here, these people were in a boat. And so they did what they do every single time they get stuck in a situation like this, which is they panic. <laughs> they panic. Listen, it's not unlike us, is it? We're living our life. We're walking down the road. We think everything is great. We've given our life for, to Jesus. Some of you here, maybe you remember the day when you gave your life to Jesus and you're walking in faith. And next thing you know, you're beaten by the waves and you're tossed by the wind. And you go, man, what is it? And you can think about the waves that might be beating you today. Waves of addiction, the waves of self-condemnation, the waves of your own failure and disappointment and things that you thought would happen that haven't happened. And the waves of lies, lies, lies that are coming at you from every direction. Maybe for you it's the waves of loneliness. 52% of people in the United States are single. The same is in the church, by the way. Now, now, mind you, coming off of Christmas, some of you are thinking, I wish I was single, right? (laughs) Because Christmas is stressful enough with all of the people in your home. But it gets lonely. And so it might be the waves of loneliness that are moving you to and fro. Maybe you thought the church community that you were in would step up and invite you over for Christmas and instead you ate spam out of a can. I don't know why I thought of spam just now. Someone had it on Facebook yesterday. (laughs) But they were in Hawaii, they were eating spam. Maybe it's the waves of broken dreams, things that you thought God would do in your life. You start to wonder, God, how could you do this to me? You're the one who sent me into this boat. God, what happened here? And, 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 and I think right now in this era of American Christianity, there's an element of it that's happening in our in our country, outside of our own personal life. There's a, there's a feeling in America that there's a sense in America that what has happened is that God has sort of somehow abandoned the church, this country we are told started on Christian principles and, and all of the things that went along with that, prayer in the schools and the 10 commandments. And now we're being told you can't do that. In fact, you're being attacked and canceled if you believe a biblical worldview. Like, we see this happening and so there's a sense globally in our country that's like looking going like whoa where is God how did this happen to us it's like the waves of politics are against us and we're freaking out and when we freak out people do all sorts of things some people get on social media and want to yell louder because if we yell louder then we're right because if you yell louder that means your point is better made right? right it's not We get together and bemoan our lot, how could this happen to us? Do you think it's a surprise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we're in the plight we're in in this country? Do you not think that he did not invite us into the boat for a purpose? The problem is that it takes so long. Most of us could handle being in the boat. It's It's not the waves that bother us, it's how long the waves last. Do you know what bothers me about this story when you keep reading? So they're beaten by the waves and tossed. It says in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, in the fourth watch of the night. Fourth watch of the night is an important concept and if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard a sermon on Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and you understand that the fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Okay, if anybody here worked night shift ever, I'm an ER doctor by training, so I worked night shift for multiple years. It is the worst possible thing that could happen to a human being, working night shift, all right? And of all the hatred that I have for night shift, the worst that can happen is at 3 a.m. There is something onerous and sick and, 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 and beyond human, that happens at 3 a.m. Now, if you're a night person, you love it. You're like, I live for that moment. Like Everyone's asleep, I'm so happy. I am the opposite. I wake up in the morning at 4.30. So what most people hate, I, I'm the opposite. I'm a morning person to the nth degree. But at 3 in the morning, it didn't matter if I slept all day the day before, it didn't matter if I had had 10 cups of coffee the night before showing up to the shift. At 3 a.m., it was like, you hit a wall. Something happens where you just run out of steam. And that's what happens in our Christian life. We'd be fine if Jesus would show up at 11 p.m. Or at 1 a.m. God will even give you till 2 a.m. But you wait until 3 3.30 or 4. And, and what happens at that point is we've given up all hope. We're speaking about hope. Hope is believing the goodness of God. We believed it at 10. and We believed it at 11. We believed it even until 1. But something happens at 3 in the morning where we are done. Our hope is asleep, sound asleep. Yeah. That's where some of you might be today. You go, not me. I've been a Christian since I was. Listen, it happened to me. We just don't see it coming. We think everything is fine, we're walking our life, we are saying yes to Jesus, we're crossing off days on our Bible reading plan, and then out of the blue, a wave hits us, and the wind blows on us. And at first we're like, we're good. I'm good, I'm good, Lord, I believe in you. Romans 8:28. all things work together for good to those who love God. We write it, we tattoo it on our arms. I don't have a single tattoo, I think I'm the only Christian left in the United States who doesn't have a tattoo. And Pastor Dave, all right, there's a few of us, we're all here, that's why we're at church at 8 a.m. in the morning, right? <laughs> Everyone else with tattoos is sleeping. (laughs) We're already awake. We don't need to wake up. And then 11 o'clock rolls around. And then I'll write the verse on the card for you. Here, all things work together for good. You're not ready to deny it, but you don't quite believe it for you. I called this message, Wake Up, but the subtitle that I put in is this. It's time to flip the script. We don't need to wake up to our ill health and our need to get Botox or whatever it is that this world tells us we need. What we need to wake up to in 2023, men and women here, whether you're 8, 9, 50, 90, what we need to wake up to is this narrative that we have fed ourselves that the best days are behind us. What we need to wake up to is the idea that God has led us into the deep where the waves are against us and where he's not ever going to show up, but it's okay because we can make it until heaven if we try hard enough. Some of us are trying that strategy. We're hanging on for dear life thinking it's okay. I think I can make it to heaven. Jesus died for my sins. It'll be good. I'm going to suffer until then. Listen, there's more to the Christian life than this. The Christian life is about victory, and I believe with all my heart that the reason Matthew 14 is there is to teach us what to do when we're sound asleep in our despair, when we're buried under the load of hopelessness, when we're caught in a fog of fear, when we're confused by chaos in life, and we can't, by the way, I alliterated those. The haze of hopelessness, the chaos of, or the whatever it was, the (laughs) fog of fear. I thought it was good. I was like, you, got it. you guys Baptist? I thought it, was like, it works here too. But we are. We fed ourselves so much negativity. Listen, the greatest danger in speaking about changing your mind and thoughts is that we can become so worldly in it I loved what one of you guys mentioned earlier. Like look, look, we were praying, we said we were not here, but this isn't positive mental thinking. This isn't behavior modification is what you said. That's not what we're going for. We're going for heart transformation. We wanna see something that only Jesus can do. And if walking on water is something humanly possible, we'd, we'd all be there right now. Even on Lake Michigan, I'd be afraid to walk in the ice because you never know what could crack open. But, but if Christ invites us to get out of the boat and walk on water, then by all means, you will be able to do it. And so that is the kind of awakening that you and I need. It is a flipping of the script in our minds to the reality of who God is and what he has promised you and me, no matter how high the waves, no matter how strong the winds that are against you right now. Four application points. And I know sometimes people get nervous when you don't hit the application points at the end. You already got, I'm getting the sermon, you know, notes, all these things are just, they're just techniques to help us follow. What we need is a move of God. Yeah. Doesn't matter how it comes, you don't need three points that match. You just need the Spirit to open your heart and soften it. <clears throat> you see, in fact, I summarized them in the when, the what, the who, and the why. Alice in Wonderland, Dr. Seuss. The when, the what, the who, and the why. The first, it's never too late to flip the script. You may be here and go, man, not me, man. I'm I'm, I'm in my golden years. And, and, And listen, you say, when is the time to flip the script? Listen, in the fourth watch of the night. The story happens in the fourth watch of the night. Now is the time. You go to when, the now. Now is the time. Listen, I don't care what's happened in your life so far. I care in that I love you. I hurt for you. I hurt for me. I look at things in my life and I think, how did this story play out this way? I've spent countless hours discussing the intricacies of disappointment in my life with therapy. How? Why did God allow this? I believed him, I circled the verse, I wrote the date on it, I thought he was gonna come through. I've mourned and lamented those things that I expected him to do. Now is the time to flip the script. Listen, your best days are ahead of you. Wake up from this hopelessness and despair, Christian. And if you're not a Christian, the invitation for you is to come. So we, that's, who, that's the that's the when, I'm sorry, now the what, the what, it's that it's God's plan for you to flip the script. It's not my idea. It's not some, some Baptist preacher somewhere that thought, man, it'd be really, really a good church growth strategy. We're going to have this, this amazing thing where like we tell people that God's going to do some great things in their life and they're going to believe it and Then they're going to come to church. They're going to want to read their Bibles. They're going to come and give more money. Our church is going to grow. Then more people are going to hear. That is not what's happening. Here's what's happening in the story there is a savior who just fed 5,000 people with a kid's meal and who knows that you and I are still going to doubt. He's not surprised. In fact, he's not even surprised later when Peter gets out of the boat, by the way. He's not surprised that Peter's going to look around and go, wow, ah, I'm screwed here. Like he knows it. But he puts this story as well as myriad other stories in Scripture. Myriad, a lot, in case you don't speak proper English like me. (laughs) He puts these stories in Scripture for us, for us, not just for the disciples, for us to remind us that he's the one who's building the story for a reason. He wanted this to play out this way. He wasn't surprised that Peter was going to ask to come out of the boat. He wasn't surprised about it. in fact, there, although this is the only gospel that tells the story of Peter walking on water, there are other incidents reported to scripture of, of, of storms and of the disciples being with them. In fact, one story in Mark chapter two, I believe, is or three, it's where, where the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, but get this, Jesus is sound asleep. Like how insulting is that? Like the the world is asleep and we're drowning. In fact, they're so upset, they wake him up and they tell him, and you know what he does? He stops the waves and the wind. And they're shocked. Do you not think that Jesus knows the plight that you're in? The what is that it is your purpose to be in this place. The what is that it is Christ's invitation for you not just to step into the storm-tossed boat But to come to a place right now in your life, or like Peter, you go, okay, I'm gonna get out of the boat. For a moment, Peter didn't care about the storms and the waves. They were still going on. We hear that the storm didn't end till the end of the story. But in that moment, in the middle of the storm, we see Peter who, and by the way, when Jesus first shows up, they don't even recognize him. Haven't you been there before? Haven't you been there where you're like, you're going through hell, pretty much? whether it's a broken marriage, whether it's your kids, the prodigals, a job. You, maybe now you're sitting here, you're like, we just got off Christmas. We don't have money to pay. Like whatever it is that you're going through and you can't recognize him. You read the Bible, you open you're like, I just don't see him. I don't see him. What, what happened repeatedly in scripture? The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they're walking down the road. Jesus is with them. They can't even see him. They don't recognize him. It happens to us all the time. Right now in the place that you're in, as you are feeling the the soaking wetness of the ocean hitting you and the wind boisterously moving you across the waves. Listen, Jesus is with you. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. God, I don't recognize him. That doesn't mean he's not there. You start declaring it by faith. God, I know you're here. I know you've led me here. I know it is your purpose for me to get through this. Christ, I asked that you help me do what Peter did. You know, there was only one disciple that asked to come out of, the water, out of the boat, and it was Peter. I love that about him. People want to always talk about Peter and what he is and what he isn't. And, but what I see is a man who had courage enough to step out of the boat. Why? Because he recognized Jesus. We only talk about him walking on water. Nobody else did it. Think about it. Think about the other disciples who maybe later thought, man, I should have done it. I had a chance, man, what was I thinking? Can we just go through that storm again? Think about that, they might have thought that. Can we just get through a storm again so that we could step out of the boat? Maybe today the invitation for you is just that. God, what does it look like for me to step out of the boat? So we've got the when, now, the what, do it, resolve, resolve. See how I brought that in? Get out of the boat. In fact, I would even summarize it by what Jesus says, come. You know, I was reading that passage last night, and I I got struck by that word, come. Peter says, can I come? He says, come. Do you know how often in scripture we're invited to come? It comes up over and over again. I was thinking just off the top of my head in Isaiah, come, everyone who thirsts, come. He who has no water and, and drink. Then, then the woman at the wall, come. Then you, you think about other, I've jotted down some other ones. There's John 1 39, come and, and get the, to Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all you who are tired and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then later, all the way to the last chapter of the Bible Revelation 22, he says, come. He says not about the spirit and the bride to come, but he tells us in Revelation, he says, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty Come, come. You see, man, you don't understand what my life has been like in 2022. Probably not much different than mine. A few highlights and a whole lot of failures. Sometimes I feel guilty singing worship songs because I think about all the reasons that I shouldn't be here. All the self-condemnation, all the self-hatred. And you know what, I remind myself again and again, I come not because of how good I am, but because of how good he is. We're dressed with his robe of righteousness, the precious blood of Christ shed for us. That is the only hope you and I have. It doesn't matter how bad yesterday was. And this isn't about turning the page on 2022. This is the reality of our life. Every day is a chance to wake up and come in new mercies and say, Christ is not me, it is you who has allowed me to not tiptoe into the presence of God, but to walk boldly into the throne of grace because of Him. Do you believe these things or are they just good verses that you write on cards that you can't remember you memorized? you believe it and if you do why aren't you stepping out of the boat and running towards Jesus you go well because what happens next because how many of us haven't done that you step out of the boat and you're fine for a step or two and then you feel moisture (laughs) your hair gets a little crooked and you're like whoa 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 I, I said I'd get out of the boat but I never said that I'd sink. I'd look and I'm, uh. you know what I love in this story, by the way, by the way, this is the, the who, the who is you, the who is you, the when is now, the what is get out of the boat, the who is you. Yeah. Jesus is there, but you have to take that step out. And, 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 and you might have done it before. Do you know this is how we got into the work that we're doing? This is how I got into ministry. I said yes. There's nothing special about me. I'm just like you, honestly. I'm more flawed than you. And I've written the books that tell you how flawed I am. So if you're not sure, buy the books. (laughs) it's a joke it's like it's like it really it's, it's funny to me like how does God you, you, the more warped you are the more he'll invite you into ministry isn't that true pastor I mean just like really like it's like it doesn't get any I mean we're always surprised how are these leaders like falling like like God takes what is broken and redeems it for his glory you know I don't see that when I look at these leaders listen you're not looking closely enough you're just listening to the hype. We don't know what is happening in the privacy of their bedrooms where they're broken and wrestling. We don't know that. Only God knows our hearts. Our responsibility is to be me, myself, and God. That's right. And so you go, man, I, I've, been, I've been tossed to and fro. And so as I wrap up, let me give you just here a few like lists. What will come this year as you step into the boat? Because this is going to be your invitation. In a couple of minutes, we're going to close. There's one more point, but it's the wraparound point. So if you're in the worship team, start thinking about coming up here. You to start playing. He told me you can be direct. I said, Yeah, well, I'm an ER doctor. You can take your clothes off now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Here's where trouble will come from for you as you say yes to God and step out of the boat. I just wrote down a few categories. First of all, you will get continual discouragement. I guarantee you. This idea that I don't have what it takes. Whatever God is inviting you to, whether it's work with Syrian refugees like I'm doing, whether it's a ministry or whether it's a new job. Maybe it's marriage, maybe you're single and God's inviting you into marriage. Whatever it is, you will be continually discouraged. This is Satan's greatest technique to get us off the mark. Here's another one, past disappointment. I've tried and I've failed before that builds up shame in your life, past disappointment. Here's another one, words of defeat. Not just continual discouragement, but words of defeat. That's that narrative that you continue to say to yourself, my biggest gift from my team has been a reminder. I am a Eeyore to the nth degree. I can take a beautiful, Sunset and turn it into a disaster Verbally because I'm just always looking for ways that people are gonna die and how I need to avoid it This is what I'm skilled to do They pay me to do that and it is overflowed into my Christian life and it is a habit that needs to be broken Your words of defeat will kill you and this is the idea that I'll never make it. I'll never make it Here's another one. We're coming out of Christmas family division and relational conflict Not just relational conflict, but family division. Do you know that one of the biggest places of discouragement that you will face as you pursue Christ and coming out of the boat by faith will come from those closest to you in your family? This morning I was reading in my Bible some of the plans that I have for the year, and I see a theme. I read in Genesis where the man and the woman get married, and they leave the family and cleave, and then I read in In in, in one of the other passages in the New Testament, where where Jesus sees uh, the disciples and they're building, they're fixing the nets. You know, there's Peter, James, and John, they're all fishermen, and he comes up to them and he says, Follow me. And you know what they had to do? They had to leave the family business and follow him. That theme of leaving, oh, I read in Genesis 12 too, Abraham, Arab Abraham was told to leave his family and his kindred. Now, I'm not here to tell you to leave your families. Please don't hear that because there's a sense, honestly, some of you are called to ministry to your family, and it might be the hardest place to be right now but you will get division and conflict that comes from your own family. You should not be surprised by that. Here's another couple. Unexpected delays. You get out of the boat and you start walking and you're like, Lord, really? The storm? I thought the whole point was to get me out of the boat. I'm out, why is the storm still there? Listen, the storm doesn't stop because you got out of the boat. The storm stops when Jesus says it will. That's the honest to God truth. Every year, this year, same, we we launched our campaign for the ministry we're doing with the Syrian refugees. and The day that we launched it on public media was like in October. And that day we got one donation for $20. And I thought, here we go again. Seriously, God, you asked me into this thing and I got this (sighs) defeat, discouragement. What did I do? I should stick to my day job. It's good and bad to be a doctor in ministry. It's bad because you're always like, I'm out. This is ministry too, I'm not gonna do like, what, really? I'm overthinking it. God, you don't need me to do all, like. We closed out our campaign yesterday and we were at like 67,000 out of our $75,000 goal, which is the highest we've ever brought in in a campaign, which I mean, for us, we're a ministry of two or three people, three. I don't know why I said two or three, Irina, me and Diana, and all you guys, the world that's supporting it. How? Because Jesus decides when the storm will end God often will take away what we most trust in so that we learn to trust him alone God will often do that in your life whatever it is that you're trusting he'll take away listen sometimes for a season doesn't it's not doesn't mean forever I'm not scaring you you're like well I love my husband I'm not saying anything that's gonna happen to you like I, I don't have that power but if you're resting in your husband as your main point of security, wake up. Wake up, only Jesus is our security. So unexpected delays and then plain old fatigue. Some of you are there right now, you're tired. You're supposed to be feel renewed. It's the beginning of the year and you're just exhausted. Listen, you might just need a vacation. Don't quit. Take some time off and stay on the water. My last point and I'm wrapping up. And this is a short one, and we didn't read the verse, interestingly, as we read the passage before, so read it with me. In verse 32, it says, and they got into the boat. So he, so first, we read it before, but just to summarize, Peter gets out of the boat, the storm hits him, he sees the wind, and Christ grabs him. He doesn't say, oh, Peter, 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 you don't have any faith, you better sink for a few minutes, you suffer, consequences here. He don't do that, he grabs him. He says, oh, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, so now they're in the boat. The storm's still going on. Now the wind ceases. And then here, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. The why, the why, why, why is all this? Why? Why does it happen? Why are you in a storm? Why does the wave hit you? Well, it's this because it is for God's glory that you and I need to flip the script. It is God's glory. The story isn't you and me. We walk away from the story and wow, the punchline wasn't that Peter walked on the water. Think about it. That's what we think is the punchline. But that's not where the 11 disciples said, wow. They ended the night or the morning at this point and they looked at Jesus And he said, wow, you must be God. That's the story. It's not walking on water. We think that's the story. We think, like, like God, if you just bring in 100,000, not 75, would you clear that you're God? It's not about the storm. It's about our Savior who opens his arms wide and says, come. Come, however broken you are. Come, however disappointed you are. Stand up with me as we close in prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never heeded the message of Jesus to come to him for salvation. This could be the day for you to become a child of God. Just tell him, God, I can't do this on my own. I receive your gift of salvation. What does that mean? That means that you believe Jesus took your sin on the cross. We come to him, not because of what we've done, but because of his work on the cross for us. He died and shed his blood and gave up his life as a punishment for your and my sin. That's our free gift. Not that we are like, God, I'm spending the next 30 years impressing you with how good I am. It's because he's already paid the price. If that's you and you want to receive, in close your eyes as we're standing up. You all know how to do an invitation. I can already tell. Bow your heads, close your eyes here. Maybe you're here and you want to receive Jesus. Just raise your hand if that's you. You're like, I never gave my life to Jesus. I want to do it today. Just raise your hand if that's you. If you've never received Jesus and you want to receive him today, raise your hand. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm going to pray in a minute with you. When I ask God, I'm going to help you if you've never prayed before. I'm just going to pray and you pray the same thing in your mouth. Listen, it's not your prayer that saves you. It is the death of Jesus on the cross. But maybe you're here. And you've been with Jesus for years what is God asking you to do this year to get out of this fog of fear and this haze of confusion and this wallowing misery of despair? What is the step of faith that he's asking you to take? Maybe it's a new ministry. Maybe it is a financial gift that he's put on your heart. Maybe it is a relationship that he wants you to move towards. What is it that God is inviting you to come, come, get, take that one step? I don't need you to resolve the world. I just need you to take that step of faith. Maybe it is to take a vacation for the first time this year. Christian if you're here and the spirit of God has spoken to you raise your hand just one thing that is clear in your mind God I've been putting it off I've been fighting it man I've been sunk under the wave of addiction and I'm here and I want 2023 to be a year of freedom a year of wakefulness not about politics not about about worldly things but here in my heart to know that I am right with you and then I'm living my life for your glory, for your glory, not mine, God. Not to show off that I can walk on water, but that you are the reason that we are in the storm and the reason that we're gonna get through it. If that's you, Christian, and God's put that on your heart, just raise your hand. Maybe even, I did not ask, but maybe you do this where you come forward and pray. Maybe that's what you need on 2023. Listen, come forward and bow and pray. Whatever you need to, to clarify, to, to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'm serious. And you, I mean, I've done it a million times before I don't care, today is a new day I don't care what happened in 2022 we're never going back to it are you willing to step out of that boat today knowing, knowing full well you might sink, you will sink how can we continue when we're in this world full of social media and problems and, but are you willing to risk it knowing there's a savior who's gonna grab you, who's already grabbed you. He came to earth for us. Christian, if that's you, don't let this morning go without coming up to someone and saying, here's what God spoke to me. Write it on your Bibles, Do, tattoo it on your arms, tell him I'm serious about it and share it with someone. That's the point of this. We're going to sing together living hope. But before we do, let me just close us in prayer. God, you are our living hope. God, first I want to pray for those who might be receiving you for the first time today. Lord, we've been talking about you, but really we've been talking with you. Because you're here. We're not. You're not a God up in heaven. You're here with us. Your spirit is everywhere. But you've also promised to live in us. And so God, you've said that the way that we can develop this relationship with you is by receiving the price for our sin that you've paid on our behalf so God for anyone here who doesn't have you even now help them to see and even verbalize to you those things God I'm a sinner I recognize that I cannot save myself and God I trust and believe that you sent Jesus in order to die on the cross for my sins and in his death he bore all my sins on his shoulders God, I thank you for taking on that price, for paying the price for my sin. And by faith, I believe you, I receive you. God, I promise to the best of my ability to live for your glory for the rest of my life. Can you believe, God, how easy you've made it for us to receive you? I can't even comprehend it. It seems too simple. And yet you've told us even in your word that It is not the wisdom of men, but the foolishness of men that that gets us to you, God. It is us saying, God, I can't do this on my own, I need you, I want you. Father, for the man or woman here who's wrestling with the demons of addiction and the weight of despair, would you free us, would you wake us up to the reality that you are alive and that you have invited us to step out of the boat and onto the water, God. You are a savior who sees the struggle and who's merciful and reaches to us even as we feel the waves drowning us. God, you're so good. Every time I think about what you do and how you act, and Lord, you didn't give up on them even though they'd just seen you feed the five thousand. Lord, you just gave and gave and give and give and mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace of God we receive it we receive it even though we don't even know how to receive it we receive it we ask for vision we ask for hope father we ask for endurance we ask for joy to overflow us as a sign that we indeed trust you with all of our hearts and we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives in 2023 in Jesus name
2: amen I'll create the chasm that lay between.
3: just said thanks for being obedient for coming to the front kneeling in this place this this space we make an altar and it is always open I think sometimes we're so timid in this space God is calling us to move movement is important God has made the move to the cross for us and there are times when we physically are need to move toward him and, and I, what, the reason I'm saying that is because you are free to do that and here's the promise the moment you do, someone will always meet you here, always Scott, I appreciate you coming in that moment and just praying, I wish as a church we took advantage of that more but sometimes we just need to move and get alone with God and when you do I promise, not only does God meet you there but we'll meet you there, Lena whew. I tell you So I'm going to say kindred spirit, okay? Um, I talk fast, I yell, which we call preaching, right? And passion. Um, But bigger than that, your message and your heart, um, this is an invitation from the Hope Collective to you that we would walk in relationship. We just really love your voice and what God is doing. What you didn't get a chance to hear today is how God is using this ministry. It's more than being a doctor, it's more than being someone who has a podcast and radio and books, there is a ministry. Matter of fact, when I go to Lebanon on the 13th, we're going to the Syrian camps, the refugee camps. And the ministry that you're doing there, we wanna partner with. And here's what we were gonna do. When we asked Lena to come, um, she said, I don't need an an, an honorarium, I don't need that. But if you wanna give to the refugee crisis in Syria, that's what we're doing. That doesn't happen often, guys, where someone come and says, I don't want the honorarium, but I do. And so what we were going to do is we were going to take an offering at the end of service. God had a different plan. What we needed to do was respond to God's word. So no offering. Here's why. Because at the end of the year, we asked you to end strong with the capital campaign that God has us on, the journey of giving hope to our community I want you to know that we are $150,000 over where we thought we would be at the end of the year. Wow. And so you've already given. So what we're going to do in obedience to God, because sitting there as a leadership, we felt like God is asking us to give 10% of what came in over to this ministry. So that's what we're going to do. So because you gave, as a church, we're going to model what it looks like. So we're going to give $15,000 toward what you're doing in Syria. And that's to God be the glory right? To God be the glory that we get to partner in these kinds of ways. And we're serious. We want to have you back and want to see how God continues to use that. And Irina, where are you? All the way back there out there. Thank you again for connecting us with Lena. What a special thing. And Paul and Linda, thank you for that. If you get a chance, join the resolve study. It's going to be awesome. Happy new year. What a way to start. We love you. May you experience Jesus this year in ways you never have. We love you. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.